What's good, everybody? DJ T-Mac here for another great hip-hop conversation. Today, we have a producer in the building. He is from Canada, but, uh, you know, his style, his sound, you wouldn't know it. And uh, we're going to talk about Canadian hip-hop and a whole bunch of different topics here today, but we have Imperative in the building. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I believe you came on my radar after my very first conversation with G4 Jag. Okay. So before my conversation with him, I wasn't really too tapped into the underground scene. Um, but after that, I kind of was exposed to a lot more uh, through him, Lord Mob, and then a whole bunch of other people. Um, so I think that's initially how you got on my radar and been following you ever since. So it's cool to uh, get to talk with you here today. That's dope. And uh, shout out to G4 Jag. Him and, him and I, we, we're well overdue for some music. I mean, we've got a bunch of stuff in the vault. Um, I am part of his Fly Family crew, which is like kind of like that's his crew under Lord Mob. Um, but yeah, shout out to G4 Jag. And and uh, hopefully we, we we unearth some of that music that we've got in, in the vault. So yeah yeah can't wait to hear that man and uh salute to him uh you know shout out to him also he just dropped a new project that is sounding great i uh, would love to have him here on the show again but we got imperative in the building he's worked with the lights of like we just mentioned g4 jag benny the butcher rick hyde zaza god mickey fax and many many more great artists um he has a very sample based style but i would say it's hard to pinpoint a sound down after that you have you have a definitely variety of styles and beats um how would you describe your style to somebody who's never heard your music or heard of the artists that i just mentioned um i guess the easiest way would be like i make beats and produce tracks for rappers uh that's really like i think the first and foremost uh thing grimy gutter is more i guess my brand gutter is the brand that i'm trying to do um but you know I, I think i've really found uh a niche and carved a, a name and a lane for myself in this kind of grimy underground boom bap hip-hop um but yeah i mean I, I, not to take away from myself i am i have a di uh, diverse sound um and I can make all different types i mean if you really look at my catalog you'll hear some more trap sounding stuff and um and that comes from so i started out making music in vancouver bc and i was i started with like that boom bap sound but they didn't really like that sound out there vancouver is a very it's west coast west coast northwest coast um so they were a little bit on of a different sound so it was either i just keep making you know these boom bap beats and just keep putting them in a vault or i kind of adapt and learn um, which, you know, I think is a, is a good thing because you've learned different skills and things that you can transfer over to other things. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't until, you know, I was still kind of doing what I love, but at the same time, it, it took a while. It took kind of Griselda, putting like boom bap renaissance on the map to allow me to be like, and, and I guess I'm back in Ontario now, um, but I think all those things combined, I can kind of just do what I want now. I, I've made my own name and I can make what I want and rather than trying to cater to other people. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yeah. That's a great space to be in for sure. When would you say you first started producing and making music? And was that like your first, 
uh, like experience in music or as a child or as a kid, did you, you know, grow up, you know, playing instruments or involved in music in any way? No music as a child. I mean, I, I had teachers, I think, like I can remember teachers saying that I had rhythm and stuff like that. Uh, like, you know, uh, that was probably like elementary school. Like I want to say like grade two, grade three. I, I can like vividly remember that, but no, no music. Um, I think I got my start in music around really starting to, dabble a little bit in like 2009 2010 um i used to be a competitive snowboarder and i just come off uh, an injury so i actually i collapsed my eye socket so i have a metal plate in here uh snowboarding and that just kind of like changed things and, and snowboarding was my creative outlet and uh it, when you don't have that creative outlet it was like searching for like what what can i do now to be creative since i don't have that and at the time my younger brother he was actually out in vancouver uh, going to school for audio engineering and he was doing some hip hop production stuff. So I was like, you know, through snowboarding, you actually, you, you um, get a chance through the videos and commercials and all that, you get a chance to discover all this dope music. And I really attribute like my, my music, uh, you know, what I like and stuff to skateboard videos and snowboard videos. So mm. uh, I was like, all right, like, I'm just going to roll with my brother here and, and get into this and then, you know, see where this goes. And I kind of just made a decision that that's what I wanted to do. And, here we are later uh, 2023. <laughs> yeah. Time flies, right? It's, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, it's interesting how, um, you know, that story, I could kind of relate to that being influenced, um, you know, towards hip hop, but not exactly just through the music or the videos, you know, through video games or, or like commercials, like you said, um, you know, hip hop has its fingers everywhere now. So uh, it's, it, I, I like that story. It's cool. And we've had yeah, that talk. Uh, uh, here with a professional skateboarder and rapper Windsor James before that hip hop and skateboarding connection. There, there's a lot of crossover. Definitely. I mean, Windsor and I have chatted a little bit as well. Uh, and I mean, hip hop has its fingers everywhere. And I also say like, people are like, they're like, Oh, like what kind of music do you make? And, and I go hip hop. And you can kind of either see their face, like if they're like an older person or something like that. And like, and then I instantly rebuttal like hip hop is every genre. So it has its fingers everywhere in terms of like the commercials and, and pop culture. But I mean, it has its hands in every genre of music, you know, especially when you come from sampling, like, you know, you can, true. it's a bit of a mess over here. I know we're doing a little bit of video, but my, uh, my record collection over there, but I mean like, you know, from rock to funk, like when you're sampling, you it can come from anything really. So, you know, hip hop, I, I say is, is every genre. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Would you say your first when you first started making beats, was it sample based that you tried to do or emulate or was it more just, you know, uh, on the computer in the DAW? It was uh, it was definitely sample based uh, at the time I was listening to. I mean, it was, it was a little bit of both, but it was definitely more sample heavy. Um, uh, my inspirations at that time like were, were Kanye, uh, Ski Beats, uh, Alchemist, uh, guys like that. So you know, for me, it was like through YouTube videos and stuff like that. You start like watching, you're seeing them play with the records. So you're like, okay. And then, and then from there, like learning about, and it, producers are going to have different uh, takes on this, but there's a website called who sampled, which you can type in a song and if it has a sample. If it's been found will likely come up there. So I'd find myself searching these and like downloading the sample and trying to like reach up and recreate what they did. So I could understand the process of like, okay, here's the final product. And I'd be like listening, oh, like there's that little piece and like trying to recreate it. So that really helped me uh, try and figure that out and navigate that. But 
Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's dope, man. I I definitely uh, dig your chops and your style and especially uh, the beat breakdown videos that you put out there and kind of show people like, hey, this is, you know, how this song was constructed. It's it's really cool, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, I mean, the beat breakdowns, I mean, these a lot of these beats are I'll, I'll be the first person to say this. I am not the best beat maker by any means. I'm a good and efficient beat maker. I'm a better producer and, and uh, you know, finalizing songs and stuff like there are beat makers out there that are just like, when you hear the stuff they put together, it, it's crazy. But I think where some of my success has come in is I keep things. It's the, you know, the acronym kiss, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Right. And I like to build a canvas, like I said earlier for rappers to rap on. Right. So I try not to overthink things these days. I try not to, I used to be a producer where I was like every sample I heard, it was like, I can't loop it. I have to chop it. Like I have to like, you know, there was like this stigma against looping because you weren't doing that much. But then now as I'm loop and I'm like, this is a dope loop. Like, what do I need to do to this to really make it any better? Right. And it's like, if I can hear the rapper rapping on it already, it's like, why am I putting, why am I fighting it? Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, yeah, uh, these, um, I kind of went off on a tangent there, lost where I was at. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect, man. It's, it's producer talk. That's what we're here for. You know, I'm uh, definitely talking to more yeah. producers this year and it's inspiring, man. It's inspiring me to get back into chopping up something, looping up something uh, myself. So uh, keep it up. I really cool. dig it. Your social media presence and just, business mind like is i i can tell you definitely take a lot of time um very systematic with what you're doing it seems like and we're going to get into the business side a little bit too uh but let's talk about more about um your process in making music um actually rewind because i thought of a question uh during your last answer can you sort of break down the difference between a beat maker producer and the engineer and sure. sort of how uh they all kind of connect and work together yeah, of course. So I think a producer these days, the lines have been blurred on that one. And I think the the reason is, is you had guys like Pete Rock and DJ Premier who were both beat makers and producers. And then their, their impact on the culture, you started getting that bracket P-R-O-D period DJ Premier, you know, produced by DJ Premier and that started becoming the credit. So then these new upcoming producer, producer beat makers, they didn't really know the difference. They just see that and they're like, well, I want my credit. I want my shine. I want my name. So they started doing that. To me, a beat maker is someone who just makes a beat, dope, they sell it or give it to someone else and they're not part of the process any further. They, they've made a beat and that's that. Now, it can be said that they produce that beat. So this is where the lines get kind of blurred and maybe it needs to be updated for 2023. Um, but if you just make a beat and then you give it away and, or you know sell it, give it away, and you have no part in that, sure you produce the beat, but you had no part hand in producing the overall song. Um, so a producer is someone who takes that idea in the song, um, maybe they just fund it. Maybe they just have the idea. So that, that's where the DJ Khaled um, kind of comes in. And I saw someone was talking, DJ Khaled does nothing. DJ Khaled has an idea. He's like, I think this person would sound dope on this. And he has the money to fund it. He's still a producer. He's producing a song, right? Um, even in the word itself, it says producing. You, so you got to produce something, produce results, whatever it might be. The engineer, 
Um, the engineer is the person who either uh, tracks the vocals, mixes and masters. Um, you know, they're more air sounds, EQing, compression, things like that. An engineer can be a producer. A beat maker can be a producer. Um, you know, producer. Yeah. So they, they all kind of intertwine there. But that that's kind of where I lie. Um, so and sometimes I will say, like, sometimes I am just a beat maker. Sometimes an artist doesn't want me want my hand in the rest of it right and i prefer being a producer like i usually when i make a beat i can hear someone on it i can i can visualize music videos i can visualize art like cover art and things like that so that's where my skills lie is really seeing the bigger picture um and that's why i think when i mentioned earlier it it's taken me it's simplified my beat making process um you know i'd see a bigger picture rather than you know focusing on minute details Nice. I appreciate the breakdown there. How do you like to find samples nowadays? Obviously, you know, um, you know, I got the records behind me. You got records behind you. You do it the analog classic way. You can digitally dig now. How do you find yourself um, digging now? And how has your process maybe evolved if it has? Um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, I think when I first started, uh, twenty ten was uh, actually right, like, yeah, right around that time was right. When uh, Native Instruments launched Machine, I originally had an MPC 1000, but the pads didn't work, and it just it didn't work. So, um, so I mean, I was like I said earlier, I was I was uh, intrigued by the guy sampling vinyl, but I just didn't have that at, like at my disposal. You know, when you're just starting, it's not like you have all the gear. So I think I started with a MIDI keyboard, and then um, so you were able to download YouTube samples, right? So. Uh, that was the start. And, and uh, I still do a lot of e-digging um, for the sake of time. And things have changed. Things aren't like they were in the 90s or even early 2000s. Social media and the internet have just changed things where people need content rapidly, right? Like I'm, I'm dealing, I think I'm working on five different projects right now. And um, like you mentioned my social media and that, I've realized that if I need to get to where I would like to be is I have to be in front of people's eyes at all times. And in order to do that, I have to have like a folder of beats of like, I have to have like a hundred beats on deck at all times. Right. And with five projects, you know, that those deplete very, very quickly. So I find days where I do, you know, um, I will do analog digging with the vinyl. If there's something about it, going to the store, touching it, feeling it, digging it, uh, getting your hands dirty, literally and and physically. Um, so I will still do that. But time-wise, I find myself, um, I download full albums. I, I have a different few methods. I like to download full albums and I'll check song by song and I can skip it. But the efficiency now of technology, I, you can't deny it. Like I have 65,000 songs on my iTunes right now, which are all potential samples. And I... I'll wake up in the morning, I literally hit play and shuffle. And it's just like, and then I have a rating system. So uh, iTunes allows you to have stars. So if, if I hear it and I'm like, yo, this is dope, but it's just like not quite what I want to work on right then, I'll put five stars. And then I can always go back to my five stars later. And I know that these are going to be dope. If it's like good, but like, I don't really know where it's going. I put four stars. Don't ask me why. Three stars is drums. Two stars is like, there's like, hits of things in there but it's not really a beat or whatever and then one is just trash <laughs> um 
but uh, I, I do a little bit of both. Um, just the efficiency of digital. I, I probably do a little bit more digital digging these days. Um, the other thing is vinyl costs a lot of money. Um, and for the records I want, like I was ordering records from Japan, from Russia and things like that. And that just, it doesn't come cheap. So, yeah, that's interesting, man. Really love the way you broke down your process there. And that's the first time I heard of something like that. Like you have your own library with these albums and that you'll throw them on shuffle. That's very interesting. How did you build up the the catalog? Like just sitting there going through different it's albums or literally i'll be doing multitasking it's like I'm, I'm listening and i'm downloading like i'm looking and searching and it's like some people have complained about my my music listening habits these days i just listen to the song but it's like i'm constantly like fast forwarding like i the only time i listen to hip-hop and rap is in my car going to and from work when i'm at home it's all it's all work it's like you know unless some people are here and they want you know they don't want to hear because you ever want to have a weird situation is have friends over and play your sample playlist and it will go from like gospel music singing about jesus to like uh ukrainian folk songs and then people are just like what is going on on your playlist um but yeah that's uh it's it, it started i used to have a bigger one but i lost a hard drive so now i have it backed up on my computer and an external hard drive so i have it backed up now because uh, i you know i I can't afford there is something to be said about losing it because then you you start fresh and you're always digging um yeah that's true but it hurts it hurts man a lot of artists i interview just, they have similar stories where you know files were lost the hard drive whatever so i'm it almost seems like part of the process so back up your stuff people we don't want it to happen the advice i'll give is i have an external hard drive that has um a dropbox link on it so everything I drag onto that external hard drive is on the hard drive and automatically goes up to the Dropbox cloud, double saved automatically. So if that hard drive dies, you still have it on Dropbox and you can re-download it after. So that's that's my advice. Gems, people, gems. What sort of equipment do you use nowadays? Uh, I heard you mention machine before. Are you still rocking with that? What, what sort of um, equipment, hard drive, and software do you use? So I am still on Machine MK1. This is the first one they came out with. This is my second one, and I'm trying to buy a, a third one because the pads are starting to die. Um, the process is there. Like, my workflow is there. So I don't want to change. I'm on, like, a 2012 Mac because the second I upgrade this, the machine goes obsolete. My And so I'm dreading the day, but it's going to come soon. Uh, but yeah, I got an MC, uh, machine MK1. I use the machine software and then I bring everything over to logic and, and sequence over there. I keep it simple again, you know, even with my gear, I keep it simple. Uh, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Uh, I'm happy with my workflow. It, 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 I'm able to make beats that people seem to like. So I don't want to change anything. <laughs> keep it going. Keep it going. Exactly. Uh, you, do you do more work over email with artists or in in person? Um, yeah, over yeah, over email. Instagram is definitely you know the people I want to work with. I, I'm in London, Ontario now. Uh, I worked with a lot of artists in BC and in Vancouver, and that was a little bit more in person. Uh, but as I've switched, you know what I want to do, it's kind of like this mentality of like once I stopped. I guess entertaining or like feeling like I had to entertain the local scene, I gained an international audience. Um, so I just really go after, um, 
I don't think anyone's too big for me. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it, it, like I just, yo, this person would sound dope on my beat and I'll try, I'll, you know, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. And then, then I, I go from there and, and, uh, it's a, you know, I've, there's people I've worked with from North Carolina, from New York, New Jersey, Buffalo, um, and still some people out in Vancouver and BC and, but it locally, there are some dope rappers here in London. I, I'm working. I was down in Toronto yesterday. Actually, I linked up with Rick Hyatt and El Camino. They were over from Buffalo. Uh, and then I linked with Ace on Eastwood um, and Ace is in Toronto or just outside of Toronto. Now we've been, even though we're in Ontario, like we're in the same province, we're still a couple hours away. So even that still goes a lot of email back and forth, mm-hmm. phone calls, video calls and so on. So again, Technology has just made things easier and more efficient. Talk about sort of building up the relationship with people over the web, though. Um, You know, I find it to be pretty easy myself. A lot of the people that I've asked to interview, you know, they've been very open and, you know, respond on IG pretty, you know, in in a pretty efficient time manner, I would say, uh, compared to what you would think sometimes. But talk about sort of that building up that working relationship over the web with with artists. It just takes time and being a genuine person. I mean, I think people feel like because they're behind a computer screen that like all of a sudden all rules of humanity are thrown out of the window. Right. And, and it, it, it comes off very selfish. A lot of times, like if it's an art and I can't even deny, like even some of the, the networking and stuff that I do, it can be considered opportunistic. Right. And, and, but we all are, that's the nature of being human in a way, but it's like, it's done in a way because like, it's an opportunity because I actually like that person's work. Right. So um, I always try and approach it. Like I'll give compliments in that and, and be like, and then just let it go from there. You, you uh, stay on, let's say you're on Instagram. I, I use Instagram a lot and I'll, I'll refer to Instagram a lot. Um, but like, let's say I like their work. Well, I'm going to be on their page, liking, commenting, giving compliments, shoot them a DM. And rather and you get a lot of people and it's just like, yo fam, what up? Let's work. And it's like, what do I get from that? Like, I don't know who you are, right? So from if you give someone a compliment, people's ego gets stroked. They're, oh, okay. Then they start seeing your name, liking their stuff. And then maybe they get curious and they look at your stuff. Next thing they know, they click on a beat and they're like, oh, okay, this guy's actually dope. And then, you know, you start that way. Let it go natural. But um, sometimes you got to take that leap of faith and be like yo what up like but like never off the jump like hey fam you want to work you know the classic (laughs) um but just give it time let it breathe and and then the other thing is show value right um you know you and i started this uh you know this relationship off off you hitting up me to to do an interview right And, and me as an artist I see value in that because you're giving me a platform to talk my shit. Right. And so there's value. And now we have this open dialogue. If you need anything, if you have questions, if you need, if you're like, yo, imperative, I see you do graphic design. Could you do something for me? Well, you know what I mean? Like there's this back and forth now and, and, you know, I'd be more than happy to. So. Hey, I, I'm going to send you an email with a bunch of questions tomorrow. <laughs> but I uh, appreciate that, man. <laughs> um, it's, we, we, it's got to be a two two way street. It's got to be a two way road, right? For for between artists and anyone, right? It's got to be a two way street. It's a give and a take. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, and you know, building that relationship, I mean, you've been emailing me your music, uh, you know, the past couple of months, and that means a lot to a DJ, you know, who's just kind of starting out and, and trying to really build a, a 
you know, a name or relationship with artists in this underground circle. Uh, don't get me wrong. I love supporting artists. You'll see a ton of independent vinyl and merch that I have. But it's nice for, you know, especially a producer to be like, hey, here's my new music. Check it out. Here's the download link. Here's where you can find it. Like all this information laid out that way. Like, I don't think I've really ever received emails like that unless it was from like somebody's manager almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No, I've been told we, we did have this conversation too. Um, that took a while. So actually when I first started, I started working with an artist. His name was Jay West. who's actually is, and still is a dope rapper. Um, he just decided it wasn't the path for, for him. Um, so, so he kind of stopped, but at that time it was like, it was like, you know, it was, it was like a, a, a trying to give an example here. Yeah. It was, it, you know, it was just, it was a producer and a rapper, combo right and, and then it got to a point where my mentality always is, is i can do anything and so if there's something that needs to be done if, if i don't know how to do it i'm going to learn how to do it right so out of necessity for wanting him and i to succeed i had to become his manager right and it was unintentional it's just how it happened but i started booking shows i started like okay well people are getting their music on blogs well how do i get our music on blogs Right. So do a quick Google search, start sending it out, start asking people like, hey. And then uh, I think I told you like the, the send out that you saw and that you received, that took years of kind of like figuring out what works. And I mean, I still get people sending no one really like, hey, stop sending me stuff. But like people will just hit me back with like their price list. <laughs> I'm like, OK, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it just came from necessity of learning and, and trying to figure out the best way to send this to people to make sure again provide value if i'm just sending you like a, a run-on sentence right that tells you nothing and and sending an mp3 directly to your inbox that's filling up space you're probably like this doesn't help me what is this garbage right mm -hmm. so i appreciate it man keep doing your thing and people should be taking notes for sure um but you talked about sort of having being in a group with jay west uh, i did see a picture um of you with dizzy Wright that you opened for him uh for a show yeah yeah we opened for dizzy Wright. i can't even remember when that was uh obviously uh, just after 2010 jay west and i like honestly like that like to kind of reminisce a bit here like we were on a path like we were um i think we were the first hip-hop act in vancouver that was going to get paid by uh live nation uh up front everyone else had to kind of sell tickets and stuff and i went in there as a manager i we did shows for six months and we, we always sold out our tickets so I, I i took it like a job and i called up the person the booking manager and i was like yo can i have a meeting with you and i went in there you know dressed like a businessman and sat down and I said look here here's our ticket sales we always bring people out um but it takes away from our show. We can't rehearse as much. We can't do as much. We're selling tickets. We're focused on this. We've proven this over six months. We're going to continue pushing. We just don't want to have, and we want to be paid up front. And they were just like, okay. <laughs> and uh, like, I remember at the time, uh, she, she was an editor of Hip Hop Canada. She called me. She's like, how did you get that? Like, what? Like, I've, I'm like the editor of Hip Hop Canada. My artists can't even, aren't even getting paid. I was just like, I just, Again, I pro approach it like a job, right? And and I take it serious. And I take what I do seriously. And um, if you take it serious, other people are going to take you serious. So, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but I'm pretty sure uh, for that Dizzy Wright tour, I, I was at quite a few of his shows as he passed through New York. Yes. So I'm pretty sure I saw that, you know, I think it was like the maybe the State of Mind tour. I'm pretty sure I saw him on that. So saw that tour too. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, really dope. He was high as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Expect nothing less for, from some of these artists, yeah, right? Look at that photo. You can just see he's just like, where am I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the one I got with him too. Yeah, same thing. So let's get into sort of the business aspect of, you know, the music and, and what you do. Uh, One in the Chamber Records, that's your label? Yeah, yeah. Talk about sort of how you came to the decision of building up your own label. I mean, you know, we just sort of mentioned Dizzy Wright, somebody who's who's been pushing the independent grind for a long time. And you're just kind of having this almost business mentality maybe from early on, right? Yeah, I mean, I entrepreneurship has always been something that I've been intrigued by. I had clothing companies in high school uh, and things like that. Uh, I, I produced and, and did snowboard videos in, in that realm as well. Um, my mind is just always running a hundred miles per minute. Um, so one of the chamber records really came out of, it was a marketing strategy. It wasn't a business strategy. It was, well, it was part of a business strategy, but it was a marketing strategy is I had this, dope track under the scope with Benny the Butcher and Rick Hyde. And I needed to figure out the best way to get it out there. Um, so I'm not Derringer. I'm not Alchemist. Uh, I'm not Harry Fraud, right? I'm, I'm imperative from Canada. If I release that song from my platform, my fans and people that support me are going to be like dope. But people that are supporters of Benny and Rick High might look past it. Mm -hmm. So I had to figure out ways. So one, I, I'm, I'm rocking the, the hoodie um, with the art from Seth for the cover. So, so step one was I knew I wanted to get art that was recognizable, judge a book by its cover, right? Everyone does it. They say not to do it, but everyone does it. So I wanted to get art by Seth. So when people look at this, they recognize it like, you know, that's Griselda art. And I'll get, I'll tell a story about this in a second too. Uh, and then they'd be like, you know, they feel like it's, within that realm because i like i said before i know i can produce with the best of them like in, in terms of like songs and under the scope i feel holds up to that um but now how was i going to get it out there so uh i i paid i paid benny for his feature uh you know i'm not i don't try and hide this like it was like some like collab i just called him up and you know benny i want a feature and he sent that i, I i'll talk openly about this but i saw an opportunity and uh you know i assessed on paper like okay the feature is going to cost me this much. The art's going to cost me this much. The mix and master costs this much. Okay, I'm going to spend even more money to take that art to get it put onto T-shirts and hoodies. Uh, I'm going to get prints done up, uh, and then I'm going to get vinyl. Right? Like this is how I'm going to make my money back and, and and make the most out of it. So if, like I said, if I release this from my platform, it was going to go to my platform, but I need this to reach past my platform. So one in the chamber was something that was in the back of my head for like just the name um so i was like okay if i do this as my own record label it come it's it doesn't come off as a release from imperative it comes off as a release from this record company right so it took me out of the equation now i'm just the dope producer that made this track rather than the dope producer like the producer that no one knows that's releasing this song um, so from there it literally just came from a day like thinking about one in the chamber so one in the chamber is like a 40 rare 45 
that's the whole idea is like um yeah rare for hip-hop 45s so the one in the chamber is the song so it's because it's one song on the record so the back the record looks like the back of a bullet um a 45 caliber gun and then the 45 rpm record so this is kind of all these tie-ins and it's also i was like it was like euphoria i was like yo and it's just like all started coming in and I, I think i designed the logo and illustrator and started the instagram got the facebook page got it all uh and then like even from there it was like okay hey, like i got this dope art from seth and then uh, i'd been seeing this dope 3d artist so i got him to turn the art into this 3d graphic so i could make these commercials and videos really that- dope really he- dope and and now he's actually i don't know if you uh follow that guy amri He's super talented. He's now done 3D work for that's that was at a one of the Alchemist shows. Uh, he's done stuff for DJ Premier now as well, and so it's like this this tie-ins. But it was it was yeah, it was all marketing. But I guess marketing ties in with business. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's part of the same side of it. Yeah, it's Ricky. Big BSF shit, you know. Look, head on the swivel. Kyrie Irving, my shots come off the dribble. Far as dog food go, shit, I was killing them off of kibbles. The second notice, this my show. I'm Malcolm in the middle. Had the 30 before Curry. I'm talking Kerry Kittles. Move the product on yo black nigga. What's poppin'? Neiman Marcus, don't come if you ain't really shopping. But Scotty Pippen in my back, he got me seeing options. Half a pound of this, the loan cost it Larry Johnson. Sammy Watkins, you had the ball and then you dropped it. I played for pride. Can you talk about your initial connection to sort of Griselda and BSF? Obviously, you know, you talked about reaching out through Instagram, building up that relationship. But what was it like actually first trying to connect with them? Um, I mean, try, Westside and I actually had like a bit of a conversation. Like, And this was like before he uh, really blew us. This, I want to say this would be 2017, 2016. Uh, I mean, they were blowing up at that point, but like, he was still checking DMs at that point. Um, but I was uh, I was working at a nightclub. I was a bar back. And um, Gustavo, uh, Gustavo Fring, the actor that played him, was in the bar. And he was in the VIP. And I was like, yo, have you ever heard this West Side Gun song called Gustavo? And he's like, no. So I played it for him. And then I took a fo- I was like, yo, can I take a photo of you? So I took a photo of him and sent it to West Side. And West Side's like, yo, we got to get him in the music video. So this is a small conversation. But then... When I moved out east and I like really like decided I was this was like this I was like I'm just gonna do what I want these like now like I'm just gonna make the sound that I want rather than trying to make all these trap beats and wait for placements and stuff like that. Um, it was almost like it was in my head, but it was like you know when you see like the FBI board and they're like connecting the mob bosses to like the under bosses and that. Yes, it was yes. like it was like that, but it was like on Instagram. It was like okay, like Benny's here who's liking his posts, who's on his team, his photos and stuff like that. And you just started getting a sense of who the scene was, you know, like you could do the same for, you know, umbrella. Um, you could do the same for any of them really. Right. And so I came across Rick Hyde and I was like, again, it was like, I, I became a fan first and foremost is, as I saw that he was rapping, but at that time he was just the producer. He was like Benny's right hand man as a producer. And I saw he was rapping. So I was like, yo, man, I think you're really dope. Like I said earlier, you just reach out like that. And then I bought his vinyl and then, you know, kept going. And then 
um, you know, we're going back and forth on beats and I got him on the first track bricks and then just kind of grew from there. And, um, I was in Buffalo last October for a beat auction held by beats anonymous. Um, and, and then after I was like, yo, Rick, uh, are you around? Like I brought some under the scope vinyl. Like I want to, I want to give them to you. You know, you were a big part of this song. And I'd like to just give you some vinyl that you can give to Benny and that, you know, whatever. And again, it just comes down to being genuine. Right. Cause that, that's literally what my intention was. Like, you know, you were on this track. I just want to give you the vinyl. So I linked up with him in the studio and he actually invited me up to a BSF recording session. He's like, yo, you got those fire beats come up. So, so I went up and I mean, El Camino was there. Heem was there. Hyde was there. Everyone was there except for Benny, essentially. So for like a, a producer, like, me, like, you know, I was like in heaven. I didn't get a chance to play any beats, but just the opportunity to be accepted enough to be invited up there. He's like, yo, you want to come up? And I was like, nah, like you guys are having a label session. I don't want to like intrude. He's like, no, come up. So um, it all just comes down to being genuine. Right. And, and true. Right. Like, uh, I've done artwork for Rick Hyde um, as well. Um, a few pieces that he needed here and there. And, um, that's the thing is like, if people need something, I'll, I'll help out if I can. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As long as that energy is reciprocated. If I find that energy is not being reciprocated, then yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, is there still any vinyl or merch available for like under the scope uh, or or that you have in general? And if so, where can people find that? So, uh, one in the chamber, one in the chamber records dot bandcamp .com, And there are still some 45s there. They're limited. There's, there's a, basically I, I kind of fell into a, a positive situation in that they, it's, they fucked up the vinyl. they like the record, the company that pressed them fucked up a couple of them, but they let me keep them. So then I came into some extra vinyl. Now they play completely fine. Um, it was just like cosmetic things. So I just, I, marketing wise, I, I advertise that and market it as such. Um, but there is still some vinyl there. Um, the other place is imperative, I-M-P-E-R-E-T-I-V dot bandcamp dot com. Um, no burial plots and pyramid schemes vinyl anymore. I'm, I, I got to re-up. I'm saying that now you got me thinking. I'm like, I got to get some new merch up there. Um, but yeah, those are the two places to get the merch. One of the chamber records. Actually, I think so. I think OITC records.bandcamp.com, short format, make it a little bit easier. And then yeah, imperative.bandcamp.com. Yeah, yeah. All right, man, be on the lookout. I'm going to have to scoop one of those vinyls for sure. So uh, you'll be shipping one out to uh, Colorado real soon. All right. I appreciate that. Let's talk about sort of hip hop in Canada for, for a little bit, or at least what I know, what I've been exposed to about it. So, I mean, I do interviews, so I couldn't men I couldn't not mention Nardwar, right? Somebody yes. who's done amazing hip hop interviews, uh, you know, <laughs> a big influence of mine, you know, just to be real about it. Um, so Nardwar, obviously uh, a DJ that I follow very closely, Scratch Bastard. Um, mm -hmm. He is an amazing DJ who, you know, he was one of the first people that was live streaming, inspired me to start live streaming. Definitely one of those DJs. Um, and yeah, his style is amazing. Main Source, to reference the 90s, right? Two of the members in Main Source, K-Cut and Sir Scratch. Also, um, you know, that in group included Large Professor, but I got that one on vinyl, colored vinyl. One yeah. of my favorite hip hop groups from the 90s. So um, obviously, more recently, Drake and other people have had a big influence uh, in the community that are from Canada. But talk about sort of 
growing up in Canada and the hip hop influence around you? Uh, I guess you kind of mentioned it a little bit, but it was pretty prevalent, I would say. Um, I, I mean, a lot of my influence, came, like I said, we came from skateboarding and snowboard videos. Uh, hieroglyphics was one of the first, um, swollen members at the time was, was big cause they, they were like friends with people that, so the, their music ended up in a lot of snowboard videos. Um, respect to respect to prevail of swollen members, not so much, not, not as much respect to mad child these days. Um, the rascals, uh, I think I still have the CD. I had a chance to work with flip out who worked with rascals, um, checkmate concise. I've done some art and worked with, uh, worked with not on music, but we've like, you know, worked on different things. Um, but yeah, uh, my music over the years, I think like, because like my family, we grew up on like the outskirts, like, you know, small towns. So like my parents weren't like huge music people. So like my music taste over the years was eclectic at best and then all over. And I mean, my real, like I loved hip hop. Like I think the first song that really like, change things was big l the fallback when i heard that song i was like hearing big l's voice and cadence and flow i mean i'm not i didn't even know it was a cadence or a flow at that time i was just like hearing it and like what is this right and then um that that really was a big thing um but canadian hip-hop has been an interesting thing and uh, i mean it still is now um in terms of right now toronto's got a great thing going on so like i mentioned i'm working on a project with asun eastwood um asun uh is a very dope rapper uh and if you haven't heard of asun definitely check him out and uh he's worked with finn and future wave who are two big canadian hip-hop producers that if you're if you like what i do you, you'll definitely like what they do marco polo mm -hmm. um but then canada's scene is is I mean, it's similar to states. The states in Canada were, were two countries that are very big, and we have very a big distance between the East Coast and the West Coast. Um, and, and so there's there's a lot of variation in the sound. And, and I think every city you go in, and, and there's pockets of different types of sound of everything that people do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's something interesting I'm finding out about Denver and Colorado also. Uh, there's many different pockets and sounds and styles. There's not really sort of one style like you would traditionally think of East Coast hip hop or West Coast hip hop. Um, so it's interesting to hear, you know, the similar thing is going on in Canada, uh, you know, and, and it's good, right? It's healthy. It's fresh to have people doing different things, right? Exactly. There's actually I, I'm trying to, try to find it right now because I'm gapping. Um, but one of the most important hip hop, like breaks in hip hop was actually recorded in Vancouver, BC at mushroom studios. And I can't, I can't remember which break it was. And I don't want to say it wrong. Cause then, oh, this producer, he doesn't even know, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm shitting the bed on it, but. You're good, man. We'll find it after and we'll definitely like, you know, put yeah. the information, you know. I don't know, if it was, it was, I don't know if it was the Amen break or is or what like I can hear it. It's got oh no, there we go. It's the 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 incredible bongo band, the Apache break. That was okay. what yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what was recorded at Mushroom Studio in Vancouver. Um it's not a studio anymore, but like I used to get dropped off uh the bus to head to work at the snowboard shop and, and like you could see it there. So Dope, man that's legendary that's yeah, uh, i've never actually i've never actually sampled it myself but i should that's funny one thing i was gonna say is that your samples are not very recognizable you seem to stay away from things that you know people 
are very familiar with or you you will you know change them up in a certain way that you know is is not very familiar to us is that intentional that's definitely intentional i, I dig deep as i mentioned i got my itunes has like sixty five thousand, and I, I order records from like russia and japan um i definitely try and stay away from things that other people have done and i try and one, I think it gives it a little bit of uniqueness and its own flavor. Um, you know, and there's also certain samples. Once you hear it and hear the way someone else flipped it, it's like there's no other way it could be flipped. So I'm just going to be doing something so, like, close. Maybe it's slightly different, but it's still going to sound like like that. So it's so I try and find, you know, things that are are hidden and, and kind of I'll, – I'll even – I'll do a test. Like, I'll, I'll – I'll put my phone and Shazam on and see, can I, does it find it? Oh shit. It finds it. All right. I'll just leave that alone or I'll do That's something. Funny. That's yeah. funny. Um, but I, I'll like, if I hear something like I'll, I'll check who sampled and see if anyone else has done it. Um, and, and I'll do those kind of tests. And sometimes I'll still like, if someone has used it, I mean, it's not that you can never make another beat out of it, but there's some sounds that it's like, no matter how you flip it, those key sounds come through and it doesn't, doesn't matter what you do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah almost feels like a rendition or people will just automatically think of that first track you know exactly. if they're familiar with it exactly let's get into uh burial burial plots and pyramid schemes let's talk about that album that was uh your latest um i don't want to say fully produced album because you've released um other albums with artists but that's uh your last imperative release correct yeah and actually you know what though i think you you are right though because like i did together in pieces with junk which was only six tracks and i did full circle which was only six tracks so this is like really like my first full length so the first real full length project you would say yeah so how would you describe a uh, full circle full circle was so i actually had the idea for burial plots and pyramid schemes before i did for uh full circle um, but I knew at the time I wasn't ready. I didn't have the artist list. I didn't have the full beat catalog that I wanted in terms of sound. Um, and I had all these other songs that were sitting there. And I I hate wasting songs. I hate wasting verses. I hate, like, because artists would be like, oh, that's like two years old. And it's like, it's two years old for you, but for anyone else, it's new, right? And I, I really, so I hate wasting stuff. So I had these, these a couple, bunch of songs and it's like, I have to get this out. And it was right around the time that I was actually moving from Vancouver. I decided like my time was up there and it was time to come back to Ontario. And uh, so it was full circle in a lot of ways because um, I, I I was born and raised in Ontario, moved out West and then I'm back in Ontario. So there's a full circle of that. Uh, I think I was getting close to, or it was right around the 10 years of making beats. So, you know, I, I felt kind of a full circle of, of where I was in my career of doing that. Um, but that it was just a project that I needed to get out before I could move into this new chapter of imperative and who I was and who I wanted my sound to be and, and so on. So you talked about having the idea for uh, burial plots and pyramid schemes, you know, for, for a while. Talk about that. Like, you know, building it, the evolution of the idea. Did you know exactly, you know, what you wanted it to be from the beginning? Talk about that process. So I, I mean, as a, as a producer and beat maker, like I'll be making beats and like 
sometimes I can't help it. Like I'm, I'm not a rapper and I'm not going to like spit a freestyle for you or anything like that. But like, sometimes I just can't help, but like the words, like, cause you're like imagining how someone else would sound. So like, you're, you know, I, I got, I have some bars, but like, you know, again, I'm not going to spit a freestyle, but like, um, it kind of came to me in that, like, in like a bit of a writing, it was like burial plots and pyramid schemes. So it was plot a playoff of plot and scheme. Um, like the phrase plot and scheme is that burial plots in front of burial in front of plots and uh pyramid in front of schemes, right? And kind of like was this metaphorical psychedelic sort of imagery. And I was like, that that is hard, right? Like it just made sense. And then there is going to be a continuation to that album called High Hopes and Lucid Dreams. So that's a playoff hope and dream so putting those words in front of there burial plots pyramid schemes high hopes and lucid dreams so it rhymes you can kind of hear the bars right (laughs) and then i was like yeah you know and then it also um not to talk about horoscopes but i am a libra so there's balance there um and then i it's like i have a blue and a brown eye so it's the balance right and for some reason i always feel like my life has this balance of good and evil dark and light so if you look at full circle, it's uh, I have a blue eye and a brown eye. Uh, and so the cover is my two eyes put together. So you kind of get the light of the blue and the dark of the brown. Um, so that started there. And then Burial Plots and Pyramid Schemes comes off as a very dark imagery, where High Hopes and Lucid Dreams comes off as a little bit more lighter. Uh, so get to play into that a little bit more. But I think I was looking at it. I think I like tweeted burial plots and pyramid schemes for no real purpose. I just tweeted that the, those words, I think it was like 2015 or something like that. Um, and then quite a while, quite a while. Yeah. And then um, for some reason I'll come up with these ideas and they just sit there and they re- like, they resonate and they brew and stew for you. Like imperative, the name imperative came in 2008 before I moved to Vancouver, before I was even doing music. And then when I became a, pre- started making beats, I was going to put my first beat on SoundCloud. I was like, what's my name going to be? Like, oh, I still got this thing imperative sitting, hanging around there. So I'm just going to pull that and use that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I forget what it was, but I think Josiah the Gif was one of the first rappers in this realm of underground, grimy, boom bap, boom bap renaissance that sent me a track back, like over that sound. And it was Blind Loyalty. So that track sat there, I want to say for three, four years, really sat there. Um, but that set the tone and it's the intro. And so it sets the tone of the album. It set the tone of what I wanted the whole album to sound like, uh, which was this really grimy, like, you know, if you were to imagine burial plots and pyramid schemes, what is that, what does that sound like? Or what is that, what is what does that look like? I and mean, what does that look like sound like? And that's that's where it came from. So um it just chipped away at it. And uh next thing you know, I had the 12 tracks and it's it like this, this is it. 12 tracks with some heavy hitters on there for sure. This one features Benny, as we mentioned, Rick Hyde, G4 Jag, A Sun Unique, as you mentioned. A lot A-Sun of cuts. Eastwood. A Sun Eastwood. A Sun Eastwood, excuse me. <laughs> um, El Is Camino, a whole bunch of people, right? I mean, yeah. talk about. I mean, was there one verse that you got back that you were more blown away by than the other ones that you were just like, wow, I wasn't really, maybe you weren't expecting it, but it was just, you know, it it, it hit differently than when you received the other ones. Not, not really. Uh, I got love for all of them. I think a lot of them, like, too, I mean, it feels different where I'm at now. Like, this process, I want to say, started, like, 2018, 2019, of, like, really sort of getting it going. Um, 
like when the Benny track came in, I mean, I was like a kid in a candy shop. It's like getting that Christmas present you were asking for all year. It's like, I'm, I'm a fan of this music before I'm a producer and, and I'll never stop being a fan. Right. And uh, it's cool when people that you look up to or admire and, and you think that they do what they do well, for example, Rick Hyde, like the fact that I could go, I walked into purple factory yesterday and he's like, yo, my guy, right. Like, we're probably around the same age, but like, I think he's a dope rapper. And I think like, I, I really respect what he does as an artist. So to have that, like when the Benny verse came in, like, I'm not gonna lie. I jumped up and did like a little, like, you know, like, <laughs> like, cause it, it's, I'm listening to their Griselda stuff. Like a lot of us are like, you know, like you can't deny it. Right. And, and we're listening as fans. And so to get that back and be like, yo, that is Benny rapping on my song. You know what I mean? And like, I remember sending it to my, my engineer. I was just like, yo, I sent you files for a new song. And he gets a text back. He's like, is this what I think it is? And I'm like, you know, like, so like yeah. it, the, the butterfly effect, right? Like even the engineer, he's, he's been a fan of Alchemist. My engineer has been a fan of Alchemist since like early 2000. He tells me how he was like in Alchemist, um, like uh, message boards and stuff like that. So he really enjoys working on my beats because there's like elements of that. And so to see that Benny feature come in is, is like, is, yeah, you know. Uh, the DA want me gift wrap, but if that happened, it ain't cause bricks back. It's all cause a nigga brought talking slick back. I get that, cause they ain't expect my shit that had its impact. My clientele used to come get packs out of chit chats. I'm samurai chopping, that's how I handle my problems. I throw shells at your door like they Amazon boxes. This what it mean when you ride. First do your homework, then you slide. Then let them fly out the window screaming, this one for the guys. Uh, your legacy, debatable. My hunger just unmistakable. In my three year run ain't been nothing but motivational. Before a check from a label, I had a neck full of cables. Don't do no deals with these know-it-alls and expect it to save you. Really dope. Project also features YNX, which is the last interview I just dropped. So make sure you guys go check that out. Another really dope uh, MC from Buffalo, New York as well. And YNX and I, we got some more coming for sure. We're definitely working more. Him and I have like, I want to say like, I'm <laughs> the joke I make is like, I'm trying to create my, the imperative verse um, you know, like the, the Marvel multiverse and, and any of these people that I've worked with, and I'm not saying everyone that I worked with on that album, like that, you know, it's all good from you know, here on out. Some of them I probably won't work with again. You know, there's the little hiccups and bumps in the roads and things like that. But there's artists like YNX who, you know, we've we've had a great relationship and I think we've wanted to work on music more. It's just timing and right time, right place sort of thing. But I know we have one in the vault at the moment. And, you know, there's definitely more to come. Um, but my goal is basically anyone. If you fuck with me, I fuck with you. And if you don't fuck with me, then I don't fuck with you. And this is where like the like the imperative multiverse comes. Is like anyone that was on burial plots and pyramid schemes, if they gave me a verse, I would like to do a project with them. You know what I mean? And and work with those people because and now it comes to that too is like they have to be working hard. If they're not working hard, if they're not matching my energy in terms of working hard, and they're like, yo, I need a verse, and I'm like, I'll tell them even like, yo, what do you want a verse for? Like, so you can sleep on it and release it and do nothing, you know, like I, I hate being that guy, but this shit means everything to me. And I'm trying to do everything I possibly can. This shit is not a hobby to me. Like it's a hobby that I would do anything for. And I'm trying to make it my every single day life. Right. And so if people aren't matching, they're like, yo, I just want a verse, put out a track. It's like, 
why? Like, it just, like, I get it. Like you love it too, but it's a hobby, but like, I need to, everything needs to be calculated and strategized to be like, like I'm trying to live, you know, so I can be creative every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Make it worth his while people make it worth <laughs> his while. But uh, make, it, make it make it worth their while too. Like it's not just me. It's make it worth their while. Like it's cool if you want to be a like if you want to be a hobby rapper, that's cool. Pay me for a beat, buy a beat, and do what you want to do with it. But if you are like if you're if I can see that you are working, like um, there's there's some artists, and I hate like I'm not trying to drop names, but like there's some artists where I was like, okay, like they're coming up, like they're progressing and getting better. They bought a beat. They it's like and I I bought verses from people, and it's like this. It's like you go to a club, you go to a hot club and there's a bouncer, right? You either have to wait in line and wait your turn, or maybe you slip them a hundred and they let you in early, right? Money can sometimes open that door. And so there's one artist, they bought a bead and they wanted to buy more, but then I saw his grind. I saw his hustle and I could see the progression, you know, like he wasn't like a top tier lyricist, but I could see the progression and it's the day old saying, right? Like, um hard work beats talent when talent doesn't want to work hard and just based off his work ethic i was like this is a guy i want to work with right and and that changed everything there's there's probably talented rappers and and like more talented and asking me for beats but they're just not doing anything Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. dope man yeah there's a lot of um music that people should be checking out of yours you also have a lot of instrumental uh albums that you put together so those are mostly um or maybe just some of them i noticed like zaza tracks like so those are tracks that you produce for other artists but you compiled them into your own sort of instrumental um issue of it as, as you will right yeah so so this is like i always try in, in interviews i guess i i intentionally or unintentionally end up dropping gems um but the reason why I drop these instrumentals is, is producers get your business game up here. And this, this is a tip. When you produce a track, when you make a beat, you own that beat. As so long as you don't sell your rights. Like when I sell a beat, if I sell a beat, I sell exclusive rights. It's not exclusive ownership. I still retain a hundred percent of that beat. They can put their wraps on it and no one else will have that. But that means I can still do what I want from that instrumental and make money. So if that song got released, Sure, I'd get a percentage of that in the uh, publishing. So, so can for Canada, ASCAP, BMI. Um, but then the master, I usually ask for about, you know, artists are pretty like good with it because I don't charge like, you know, thousands on thousands of dollars. They'll give me, you know, any upwards to around 20%. Um, but then I have this instrumental. So if I let it sit there, it's not doing anything. But if I release this instrumental, I get 100% of that. There's no rapper I have to pay royalties to. That's just me. Right. And so why not package it and and put it up there and and get some more streams and then, you know, rappers can and I'm reutilizing it now. Um, the big thing, I think Cato is one of the big guys who started this was like the whole remix, this beat or whatever. Right. And then you get all the Instagram and TikTokers rapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, so I put all those instrumentals out there. And there's rapping on it. Well, they're sharing it and it shows my beat. And then people are like, yo, what beat is this? Who's the producer? Where do I go remix this? And it just gives it new life and 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 new way. So mm-hmm. the whole thing is again, it's a business marketing strategy. It's like it's a dope beat. And why shouldn't it be out there? It's music at the end of the day. Yeah. I agree, man. I agree. I love it. And you know, I love all the different versions of your albums that you put out. 
You put out a regular version. You put out the radio edited version. You put out the instrumental. You put out the deluxe. Like, you know, there really is is a systematic way that you're doing things. And it's sort of a cla- a little bit of a ode to the classic way of doing things, right? Having all these different versions of the track, especially like when a single comes out. You know, you want it to be played on radio. Maybe... Um, terrestrial radio doesn't have you know they don't play a lot of underground hip-hop but they're definitely not going to play if it's not if there's not a clean version of it so just giving it that opportunity to get played somewhere um it's you know it it means a lot producers take notes and step up your game all right understanding the algorithms too is like um so let's say the song i just dropped which you just got the email for um, walk with me right so that had an unreleased verse right and I, I was like well it's just sitting here what am i going to do so let's put this out so by putting out that packaging it with the instrumental and the radio edit and the extended version all that i can now repitch it to editorial on spotify it just got on release radar which if you pitch it no matter what it will get on release radar i think it has it, that just dropped last friday i think it has 300 streams just off release radar alone right and so now it's bringing back people to the original song as well. So it's just, it breathes a whole new life into it. Um, I forget which channel it was. Like it was either DJ Payne one music entrepreneurship club or something like that, something like that. But they're just like, rather than focusing on trying to keep putting out new music, it's trying to figure out how to monetize the music you've already put out there. So like we all, like if we've released music, we have these catalogs that are sitting there and it's like, cool. I made this dope song. See you later. And never like, you know, it's, it's like, I keep going back to under, under the scope and people are probably like, yo, we get it, bro. You got a song with Benny the Butcher, Rick Hyde. But it's like, that's my biggest song. Why would I stop promoting it? You know, like, like I took, like I was, I mentioned, I, I linked up with Rick Hyde in Toronto yesterday. I took a photo Why well, I posted a story and I put his verse from that song on there. Right. It's just, a, and then maybe I gained, let's just say 10, like a hundred followers since that song released. Maybe this is the first time they heard it. Right. And and then yeah. next thing you know. So um, on that note, too, is like I didn't have the budget to do it before, but I actually have an animated music video coming out for Under the Scope, which will hopefully be in the next couple of weeks. But it's like a cartoon, grimy cartoon style. So mm. I haven't even seen it yet. So I'm hoping it everything looks good and it goes smooth. But uh, the guy who did it is dope. So I expect it to be dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, salute to you on the graphic design end as well. Uh, you did the cover for Burial Plots and Pyramid Schemes. I did not do the cover for Barrel Plots and Pyramid okay. Schemes. Um, that was Jordan Commander, um, who is out of BC, which I didn't know at the time. But he used to be a former manager of um, Air Vinyls. And I'd seen him doing art and stuff. And again, it was just another calculated. Uh, I, I like the art. It was very dope. It's cartoon or sorry, comic book cutouts, collage, which I hadn't really seen anyone do. Uh, and it just like in my head, I could picture the cover before I saw it sort of thing. Uh, and he did his own thing. But again, it was like, how can I tap into this market? Like, how can I get in here and have people want to hear it sort of thing just by looking at it? So I had to, I do my own cover art, um, but my art is not recognizable in that world. So I just left this one aside. It was, you know. Got it. Okay. But still having the vision and, you know, wanting to bring it to life, you know, like you said, being a producer, right? You may not actually be doing the work, but you have the idea to bring it all together and produce something. Exactly. I like it. I like it. So 
kind of wrapping up here, what should we be looking for in 2023? More imperative produce projects, I'm sure. Um, maybe singles, more work with other artists. Break it down. What should we, we be on the lookout for? I think it started like even later last year, but I've been releasing something every two weeks on like, if you go on Spotify, something's been released every single two weeks. So I've already released uh, guillotine with Jay Roberts um, instrumentals issue number three um, walk with me extended version just came out the precedent instrumentals uh, from the project with Shane Ashley, those drop not next week, the week after. Then I got a project with Joe Sig. That's coming out. That's seven tracks. I got a single with Slick Jack from uh, Montreal, which we're finishing. He's got a project with uh, Static Selecta. Got a project with Ace on Eastwood, which I'm finishing up. Got a project with Blockwood, which is in the midst of being finished up. Project with Super Caliente, who's from Buffalo, which is in the midst of being followed up. Project with Jay Roberts that's getting finished up. And then uh, trying to get something finished up with G4 Jag as well. We've got like four or five in the vault. So trying to turn those four and five into probably 12 nice man nice sounds like he's got more than one in the chamber right now people all right so it's going to be a busy 2023 for him wrapping up all these projects and you know releasing not, not just releasing there's a whole strategy behind it so hey guys follow along this year take notes we'll, we'll all learn something and uh, a big part of conversations with t-mac is music obviously another big part is food man I got to know when I come to Canada, when I come to London, Ontario, where do I got to go for the food? Where are the best eats? And specifically, I'm a pizza guy. So if okay. there's a pizza spot and then just give me your go-to spots in general. I'm a pizza guy too. Um, I can't even remember the name of it. I just know where it is. I just drive there and go to it. Um, uh, I'll be honest. I haven't made it out in London as much as I, so I moved here and it was COVID. So I didn't get out as much as possible. I just did a show at a place called Soho's Taco and Taco Taqueria, Tequila and Tacos. They have a, uh, a Barbisa. I can't even pronounce it right now, but it was, it was really good. Um, shawarma is big in London. Uh, Baba's is where I go for my shawarma. They put it on the stage bread, uh, get everything on there, get the roasted potatoes on the side with tzatziki. Um, I, I just, I, I love food too. And I love cooking, but in the state of our economy and uh, the recession and everything right now, going out and eating is just stupid. So I'm a good enough cook that I'm happy making food here. What's your go-to dish to whip up at home? Uh, I've been doing these, uh, I call it the imperative bowl. Um, so it's uh it's quinoa on the bottom, spinach on top, pickled beets, pickled jalapenos, cucumbers, roasted bell peppers, uh, avocado, and then uh, grilled chicken on top. Uh, and then I'd use um, Nando spicy Peronese sauce on top. Okay. All right. I mean, we got the beat breakdowns. We're going to need the meal breakdown next. All right. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Imperative, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Anything else you want to let the people know uh, before we get out of here? It's imperative. Listen to the kid. <laughs>